Enduring through discipline, this will be part two as we unpack verses four through 11 in Hebrews chapter number 12. We set the stage last week in really understanding the progression of endurance and the theme now of discipline and those two meeting together here in chapter number 12 that the author of Hebrews has called us to endurance, that we are to run the race that is set before us as we look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who modeled endurance perfectly for us, who back in chapter number 10, the author reminded us that we are in need of endurance. And then as we unpack chapter 11, we saw over and over again through this hall of faith, God's grace and God's faithfulness to these individuals as he empowered their faith even to the end that they endured through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so here we are in chapter number 12. We are running this race of life. This Christian life, and it is hard, and it is difficult, and we are certainly running imperfectly. Can I get an amen to that? Our spirit is willing, but our our flesh is, is weak. As we run this race, are you like that inexperienced runner who has signed up for the marathon and thinking that it's the 100-yard dash. The gun goes off, and boy, they are fast out of the gates there. Then they realize there's many, many more miles to run. Endurance is a topic in our Christian walk that we need to be mindful of. And as we unpack these first few verses last week, I hope the Lord was beginning to stir your heart and your understanding of your need for endurance. But aren't you thankful that our need for endurance isn't up to us? That everything that we need in this area of of endurance and, and perseverance in the faith, God has provided for us through the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the truth of God's word, the fellowship of the believers, everything in between, God has given us these precious and very great promises. As 2 Peter chapter 1 describes, that we've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness for this Christian race that we are called to run. And so... Our responsibility is what in this area of endurance is to rest. To rest in what Jesus has done and is doing and will do in and through our lives as we rest in him. Again, this clear section in Hebrews 12 on this topic of endurance is one that I hope will linger with us. That this won't just be a Hebrews topic that maybe the Lord will encourage you to continue to study and and to pursue and to understand endurance in the Christian life. Have you seen those in your family, friends, coworkers, those that you know of that were running seemingly well, but yet have fallen away? We are truly in need of endurance. In this age of deconstruction, in this age of uh, 
you know, all, all that goes along with that, with the pressures and influences of this world, friends, I hope that we will lean into this topic of endurance for the sake of our own lives and for our families and those that we love around us. Just as the author of Hebrews quoted from Proverbs chapter number three, verses 11 and 12, we were reminded that these verses are included to highlight the two most common reactions to discipline. What are they? One is that we would regard it lightly. This is where we ended last week, these two reactions. As we considered this first point of corrective discipline from the Lord reveals a meaningful relationship. A meaningful relationship. One reaction is that we would regard it lightly. This would speak to the the proud, arrogant child, son or daughter. One who receives the discipline of their father, but yet they regard it lightly. They are not holding it in high regard and understanding the value and the feedback and the discipline from their father. And so it speaks to the heart of arrogance. What was the other reaction that was called out in Proverbs chapter number three? The second reaction is that we would grow weary of this discipline. What does that speak to? It speaks to the son or daughter that ultimately is insecure in their relationship with the Lord or with their father. They grow weary of it because maybe they're uncertain of what this discipline is communicating, why this discipline has come into their life, and so they grow weary of it. These are reactions that we can relate to in our own human nature. So don't grow weary. Don't regard this discipline of the Lord lightly. Rather, what are we to do? We're to embrace it, understanding that there is truly purpose behind it. So last week was about relationship. And we were reminded that relationship strongly influences our response to this corrective discipline in any area of life. So as a believer, one who is redeemed... This is our identity. This is who we are. We are sons and daughters of this one who is disciplining us, one who is redeemed by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. How should we think about discipline? This is what the author of Hebrews is challenging us with. How should we think and feel about discipline when it is present in our life? The second point we're going to look at this morning as we continue our way through this topic, is that corrective discipline from the Lord deploys with significant purpose. Corrective discipline from the Lord deploys with significant purpose. As we stay with these takeaways from this quotation from Proverbs chapter number three, we are reminded that the Lord disciplines the one he loves. So friends, the discipline and reproof of the Lord is one of the primary means by which he communicates and demonstrates his love towards us. Do you know that? Do you understand that? That the discipline from the Lord is one of the primary means by which he communicates what? That he loves you. This seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? We want... The father who lavishes us with all the gifts that we want, who takes us on extravagant trips, gives us all the junk food and candy that we could ever want or desire. 
and whose discipline is non-existent. This is, in our human mind, the good father. But we know through our own personal experience, through life experience, that a good father isn't one who gives us what we want, but a good father is one who gives us what we need. Friends, it's hard as it is. As difficult of a pill as it is to swallow, sometimes we need discipline in our lives. Do we not see this in our earthly relationships with our children, our relationships with our parents? At the end of the day, all of us have either received discipline from our parents or as parents we have disciplined our children. We certainly do that imperfectly, but holistically we attempt by God's grace to stay consistent in disciplining our children. Why? Because we love them. We discipline because we love them. Children, remember this. When mom and dad take you aside, maybe you've disobeyed mom and dad. Maybe you've disrespected mom and dad. Maybe you disobeyed a clear rule in the home. Boys and girls, maybe you've, you've been unkind to a brother or sister. Mom and dad have seen that. They take you to the side and they have a conversation. They point out the error of your way. You've been there, boys and girls? They call out to the, the behavior that was unacceptable or hurtful or unkind. And certainly parents do this imperfectly, kids, but yet they take that time to point you to truth and to call out the error of your way, and sometimes even to provide consequences. Why? Because they love you. And we all know if unkind and ungodly behavior is left unchecked, it's going to hurt us, and it's going to hurt those that we love and care about. And so discipline isn't what we want in this life, but it certainly is what we need. So then we do the hard thing. We lean into the opportunity of corrective discipline as a means by which we communicate to those that are receiving our discipline that we truly do love them. We see this unfold in our text directly after the Proverbs 3 quotation. Look at me at verse number 7. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is... What son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Beside this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? It is for discipline that we have to endure. But it's hard and it's difficult. 
And it's even confusing sometimes as we navigate through the circumstances of discipline and the consequences that come from the Lord in our life as a result of our rebellion, as a result of our disobedience, as a result of our failure to follow God's clear command in his word. It's hard. It's difficult. It's confusing. But he calls us to endurance through discipline. And God uses this discipline, these these opportunities where God allows circumstances into our life, where he allows consequences to be present in our life. Why? Because we need them, because he loves us. And he wants what is best for us. That road is paved with discipline, corrective discipline. Some of my most meaningful interactions with my children were forged through moments of discipline. Sin was exposed, an opportunity to step in to the situation with truth and love. And although some of those moments were so hard and difficult, we were somehow closer at the conclusion of those corrective conversations. Can you resonate with that? Can you think back on a difficult conversation with mom and dad? Can you think back on times where you received consequences that were given by an authority figure and looking back, you can say, you know what? That's not what I wanted, but it is what I needed. And they demonstrated that they cared and loved me enough to do that hard thing. Purpose through corrective action. It's not meaningless. It's not God just being a mean old ogre in the sky because he wants to really get us good with this new consequence. It's coming from the heart of love and care and concern just as a father would love his own children. Respect, love, and a new depth of relational connectivity, reminders of God's faithfulness towards us, evidences of a genuine relationship with the Lord. These are all purposes that God has for us as he allows discipline into our life. So discipline is deployed with purpose in mind. So then it's through discipline that the Holy Spirit empowers us to endure. And if we desire to run to win, as Pastor Andy challenged us, and we desire to run the race that God has ordained before us, we must understand that it will constantly and consistently and regularly involve endurance through discipline. This side of glory, we will still be bound by this flesh. And although by God's grace and through the power of the Holy Spirit, day by day we put it to death, what is earthly in us, we are still bound by this flesh and there are members that war against each other as Romans 6, 7, and 8 remind us. And we can have victory. If we walk in the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of our flesh. But friends, this side of Eternity, despite those promises and the hope, we will be imperfect in that. And so we are going to fail. We are going to sin. But by God's grace, let us be quick to confess. Let us be quick to repent. 
a change of heart, a change in mind that results in a change of action, all grace-enabled change. And that we have this promise, this hope that when we do repent and we do confess that he is faithful and just to forgive us and to do what? To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But oftentimes that repentance and that confession comes through the exposure of sin. God initiates discipline and that exposes the error of our way. And even despite confession and repentance, there are still oftentimes, because of our sin and wrong choices, there are still consequences that we must grapple with, yes? And so receive the discipline, receive the consequences, knowing that there is a relationship of love from a father to a child, and receive those consequences and receive the discipline from the Lord, knowing that there's purpose in the midst of this discipline. So discipline isn't something to loathe. It's not something to sidestep or to uh, look for relief from. Why? Because God is showing us his love toward us as his sons and daughters. Because it is through discipline and hardship and trial that we become more like him. Do you remember Romans chapter number eight, the extended passage I think is helpful from verses 26 through 30. Oftentimes we just quote verse number 28. Romans 8, 26 through 30 says this, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. There it is. Are you thankful for the help of the Spirit in your weakness? Going on, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Friends, this is the perfect picture of running the race that is set before us. It involves the power of the Holy Spirit. It involves his grace. It involves his help. But friends, it also involves him working out all things, even our failures, even our sin, even our rebellion, even our imperfect race that we are running. God is using all those things for his glory and also for our what? Our good. Yes, even Discipline. So the purpose of discipline is to demonstrate his love, to prove he delights in us, as Proverbs 3 reminds us, and to demonstrate that we are accepted by God and legitimate children, his children. Let that sink in, friends. When we experience the discipline of the Lord, it is a proof 
that we are his legitimate children. That we've been adopted. That we are joint heirs. That we have an inheritance in Christ Jesus. And although the discipline is difficult and painful at the time, there is purpose behind it. And one of the purposes of discipline is that it reveals our identity as sons and daughters in Christ. We are legitimate children of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is a beautiful hope and a beautiful reminder. It is through discipline that endurance in the Christian life continues to grow stronger. Respect for the Father and a deeper relationship is forged through discipline. All of it is for our good. Look at me, verse number 10. We see that, right? This discipline is for our good. In our culture, discipline is synonymous with something that is bad, uncomfortable, inconvenient. In God's kingdom, discipline is for our good. Here's the thing. In our culture, with discipline, it also reveals that there is an authority. This is one of the key purposes of discipline is that we are accountable to someone else other than ourselves. Now, this is, this is certainly an unpopular take in the culture that we live because in our postmodern culture that we live in, individualistic, humanistic society, who is the authority? Me, myself, and I. I am my own authority over my life. I determine my own truth. Any discipline in area of life reveals that we are not the authority, whether it be, again, a manager-employee relationship, as we talked about last week, whether it be in our familial sense, um, a parent to a child, uh, whether it be uh, on, on the road driving in your vehicle, uh, a citizen to police uh, authority relationship, Anytime there's discipline or consequences, it reveals that we are not the authority. And friends, we need to be reminded of that. Be reminded that we serve a sovereign God who is working out his perfect plan. And here's the thing about discipline. The only thing that we see oftentimes in our human mind is that it's painful and difficult, right? We know that. We feel that. This discipline is inconvenient. It's, it's not fun. It's difficult. It's uncomfortable. But God, through this moment of discipline, is literally working out who knows how many purposes in our life and those that are connected to the situation that we might be experiencing that discipline in. He is sovereign, meaning that he has the ultimate authority over our life and circumstances over all things at all times. And so the fact that we experience discipline recalibrates our minds back to this reality that God is God and I am not. I don't know about you, friends, but sometimes I need to be reminded of that often. My heart needs to be reminded that I am not behind the wheel. 
of life. I am not determining my own path. Rather, God is graciously, as a good, good father, leading and guiding me, even through times of difficulty and discipline, trial, suffering, seasons of loss. He's using them all for my good to maximize his glory in this world. So it's good. Discipline is good. There truly is significant purpose in discipline. God is working in and through these moments. And God once again says through discipline, I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. God says in the moment of discipline, I know this isn't easy, but I'm disciplining you because I love you. Every good father engages with their true children in this way. And if they don't discipline their children, it's likely because they're considered illegitimate children, not sons and daughters of this father. So remember, by God's grace, in the moment of discipline, it's hard, it's difficult, it's painful, but remember, this is coming from a father who is engaging in discipline with you because he loves you and because you are his son or because you are his daughter. And there is great hope for all eternity of that reality of our identity in Christ because of the gospel, because of what Jesus Christ has done at the cross, because what he defeated at the grave, defeating death, Victory he claimed for us is ours in Christ Jesus. So corrective discipline reveals a meaningful relationship. It is deployed with significant purpose. And our final point this morning is that corrective discipline from the Lord produces godly character. Corrective discipline from the Lord produces godly character. Look at me, verses 10 and 11. For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. The end of verse number 10. Verse number 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You see, at the end of verse number 10, he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share in what? His holiness. Verses 11 gets, verse number 11 gets real and reminds us that although discipline from the Lord is painful and difficult and everything but pleasant in the moment, it is working and doing something beautiful. Namely, it is making us more like Christ. You see, friends, discipline from the Lord is never an end in itself. God uses corrective discipline in our lives to shape us to be more like him, to shape us more into his image. Why? So that we may be able to, at the end of verse number 10, share in his holiness. You know, 1 Peter, the the, the end of mankind of being in relationship with the Lord is be holy. Why? So that as I am holy, excuse me, be holy as I am holy. We are to be like Christ. And God uses discipline, creative action in our lives so that we can be changed to be more like him, transformed into his image and not conformed to this world. Again, this reminds us of his sovereign control over our lives 
And in his perfect wisdom, he allows the effects of this fallen world and the weaknesses of our flesh and ultimately the brokenness that we all have to be brought to light. What is it called when something is brought to light? It's a scary word. It's called exposure. Our sin, our brokenness, our failure, somehow and in some way it becomes known. God's grace is even present in that, of how oftentimes our sin becomes known. When we think we've hidden every uh, breadcrumb trail possible, uh, it's exposed. It comes out somehow, in some way, our sin is exposed. Numbers chapter 32, verse 23, but if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord. And be sure, here's the famous verse, your sin will what? Find you out. Luke chapter number 12, verse number two, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Ecclesiastes 12, 14, for God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Exposure. It's scary. It's fearful. It's hard. It's uncertain of what's going to happen when our sin and our failures are exposed to God and to those around us. Here's the beautiful irony is that God uses this exposure of a lack of godly character as an opportunity to build godly character in our lives. More purpose, more meaning in the midst of discipline. And so through the sovereign control of the Lord and through his loving and purposeful discipline, we understand it, that it is a means by which we are able to share in his holiness. To become less like ourselves, less like this world, and more like the one who has saved us. We see also that discipline produces what? Peaceful fruit. You see that there? We see also that discipline produces peaceful fruit. At the heart of any discipline is the exposure of a what? A conflict. <clears throat> a conflict of expectations. A conflict of, of rules. A conflict of a standard that we have not met or that we have not adhered to, that we have failed to be compliant in. Right? Do you resonate with those terms? God's word is, is clear, how we should live, how we should relate. Biblical family roles as husbands and fathers, wives and mothers, children, coworkers, as an employee, in this world as neighbors, And when we do wrong, when we rebel against God's will and his ways, there are consequences. There is a conflict that is exposed. 
Ultimately, it's revealed that we're in conflict with God's word when we sin. We are in conflict with God himself vertically, and oftentimes our sin is not just against God, but it's also against others horizontally. So then God uses discipline to resolve a conflict and to restore relationships both vertically and horizontally. This is truly a peaceful fruit. Where there was conflict, there is now peace through what? Discipline. It's a peaceful fruit of what? Righteousness. Righteousness then is developed in our lives through the breaking up of this hard soil of our hearts as as God's word and, and the Holy Spirit of God and through the fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ. God uses all of those as a means to bring discipline in our life, to speak truth into our life, to expose that conflict of our thinking and our actions. There is conflict and now there is a peaceful fruit of righteousness when we submit to the authority of God and his sovereign plan over our lives, there is a peaceful fruit of righteousness. So righteousness then is it's developed through discipline. As these seeds of discipline are planted and through the Lord's faithfulness in discipline, those seeds are provided everything that they need to grow and develop into fruit. And that fruit is only produced through the training and maturity that comes through discipline. Just yesterday, my father-in-law, Jim, I think he's out on security duty this morning, uh, and I, we were both working in our yards. My father-in-law just recently moved in a couple houses down the road, and um, Historically speaking, my father-in-law has kept a very a tidy lawn, and I have as well. And when you have two men on the same street that are passionate about lawns, um, it inevitably becomes a lawn war. So if you ever want to observe this, this lawn war, um, you, know, you can come down Spruce Avenue and you can cash your votes and We'll take tallies later you know, in the year to see, see how things are going. Um, all joking aside, though, we were both working on a fall overseed. Uh, my father-in-law's was a little bit more severe than, than mine was. Why? Because he just uh, got a hold of this property, and the lawn had been quite neglected for quite some time, okay? So he was out there with a, a tiller. Uh, ripping out all of the front lawn and tilling up the ground and essentially starting completely over with bare dirt. Seeding, fertilizing, raking, leveling. Understanding what needed to be done to this lawn to ultimately, hopefully in the spring, and maybe still even this fall, we'll see a little glimmer of the work that he's done. Ultimately, the work and effort that he's putting in now will bear fruit in the days ahead as there's a lush, green, and full lawn for the grandkids to enjoy. At the end of the day, it's hard work. It is not pleasant in the moment. Back is a little sore. There's sweat on your brow. There's frustration with the ground and the difficulty of working that up. 
But ultimately, there is a fruit. There is a reaping, if you will, that comes through what is sown through that hard work. This is the reality of discipline as well. It's never pleasant in the moment. It's always hard and difficult. But if we graciously receive the discipline of the Lord, there truly is a fruit. And here's the last phrase, those who are trained by it. Have you learned to be trained by the discipline of the Lord? Just as your mom and your dad as a child would come alongside and train you towards good behavior and social interaction and responsibility and respect, just from a world's perspective, let alone train you into understanding Jesus Christ and the gospel in the home and what a right relationship with the Lord looks like. And you were trained by the discipline, the feedback, the correction. I pray that we too would be trained by the discipline of the Lord. Let's close in a word of prayer. As we close in prayer, I want to leave you with 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Friends, He is working in our weakness. He's working through our failures. He's working even through our sin. He's sanctifying us to be set apart to the Lord for His glory and for His purposes so that we can become more like him from one degree of glory to another. God is using discipline. But friends, I want you to be reminded that there is freedom this morning. Maybe you're currently under the discipline of the Lord. Maybe he's convicting your heart. Maybe you're experiencing consequences and you're, you're pushing back. You're, you're rejecting what the Lord is attempting to do in your life. You're fighting. You're pulling. You're pushing Friends, I would ask you to submit to the Lord's work this morning, even through discipline, that he would have his will and his way. And that we would understand the importance of enduring through discipline. God, we thank you this morning for what you have taught us. I pray that our relationship with you would be recalibrated as we are reminded of these beautiful truths of discipline. I pray that we remember who you are, a good father, a gracious father who loves and cares for us. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.